podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to Sugar, Silk and Stretch, a unique boxing podcast brought to you exclusively by Ace Podcast Nation. My name is Ben Doughty. My name is Michael Silkolajide. Well, we, we still don't have the stretch with us. We, we are still Sugar, Silk and Stretch. And, you know, we were keeping quiet about it, Michael. But I see it was on the airwaves on YouTube yesterday. A fellow called Bang Bang Ray Hill, who used to be Gary's bodyguard. He went public and said Gary had a bad fall in Bulgaria and nearly died was the was the headline. So we, we are, I believe we were at liberty to say that our, our friend and co-presenter had a bit of a fall in Bulgaria. He is OK, but he's convalescing right now. Okay. Does that mean he's yeah. I was expecting you to say something about it, but I guess the thing is you don't really you don't really know anything about it, do you? So you're just like I don't know anything about it, but you said convalescence and I asked you if he was sick. Does that mean he's throwing up? No, I I don't know where you get this convalescing and throwing up connection before. We had that in the WhatsApp group. It convalescing just means you're getting better. It oh, just means you're repairing. Mm-hmm. Why do why do you think it means being sick? Well, well, if you take the word in in sections, the um the prefix con is with. So, the lessons. What does that mean? You know what, so you 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 you're a rare one. I'll give you that. Um, perhaps it has, has nothing to do with rarity. It's like a real word. Con is with, right? That's the prefix. And the suffix in Spanish it means that, yeah, because if you ask for cafe con leche, you want coffee with milk. But but English is a little different, right? <laughs> no. Con it's is with in English and in Spanish. Probably in anything that they say con, it's probably uh, you know what I mean? <laughs> hey, listen, anyway, listen, I digress. Yes, to, to the best of my knowledge, convalescing means you're getting better after some kind of illness or accident or whatever. Um, but regardless, we'll with, something, with something, you're getting better with something. I guess something, maybe that's what it means. You know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna hit you up with dictionary definitions later in our own time. <laughs> but in the meantime, so there, so there's quite an exciting fight. It's only the kind of fight which appeals to the the hardcore and the people who are already into boxing, Michael. And as you know. Traditionally, the littler guys don't get as much plaudits, as much attention, and as much money. But Sonny Edwards versus Jesse Bam Rodriguez in Glendale, Arizona tomorrow night is a hot fight. Uh, it's a unification for people who care about that kind of thing. Looks it's like it's going to be a great fight. Second, looks like it's going to be a great fight. <laughs> I mean, they're both exciting fighters. Uh, it's not like like if people are who've never seen boxing before. And they want to see world caliber fighters. These two look pretty good to me. I mean, I've never seen them fight before, but I looked at I looked them up as you suggested beforehand. Checked them out, and yeah, they've got skills. They've got skills, and they've got something more than that. They've got uh, there's there's an entertainer within them both, and that's yes. what people that love fighting like to see. And they both have an attitude and energy. They, they fight with their personalities, and that's going to make it. I think it's going to be a very exciting fight. If you don't know, if nobody who doesn't know, if you don't know about it, know about it. Catch this one. Yeah, because like you say, you, you, you're very attached to that idea that fighters fight their personalities, and I totally agree with you. And Sonny is exactly like, he's full of swagger. He's like a little Willie Pep, although I don't know if he's Sonny Pep too often, but he is slick as slick as hell. 
And mm-hmm. but he's also cocky and he's got a swagger. You know what's funny? You you won't uh, necessarily fully understand this, but he's got this really kind of. I've known him since he was an amateur, right? Since he was a teenager, yeah, maybe fifteen or sixteen. He trained him and his brother Charlie, who was also you know also a world class fighter, who was WBC flyweight champion a few mm-hmm. years ago. They were always training, really dedicated, obsessively training at the TKO gym in Canning Town in East London. Saw a lot of fighters come out of that, that gym, you know, who ended up going on to good things like the Edwards brothers, um, Anthony Yard, um, Ahara Davies and such like. But um, Sonny, he always, he used to talk like a normal kid from, from you know, South London, from, I think they say, from Sutton, South London. And then recently, he in the last few years, he's morphed into this kind of cod, kind of white, rude boy kind of accent. It's a, it's not like an American thing, but it's, it's a, the way he talks now is completely metamorphosized he's he he loves the company of black people he, he he advertises the fact he likes black women i think he has mixed race children someone said today uh you know when, when he had got into a bit of a thing with clarissa shields who said bam rodriguez is going to beat him he says if you're wrong do i get a date with you but he talks like this it's not organic to him he talks in a way he never used to talk like i swear to god five <laughs> years ago six years ago and it's almost comical but he gets away with it because he can fight yeah and um Okay, and continue elaborate. Okay, I'll keep going. See, this is this is what I'm not used to. The silk, because I'll keep going. I'll keep talking all day. No, 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 I'm just saying because I I, I thought you were coming to a, to a, a head on why. Yeah, on... sure, fair enough. I was just I was giving you an opportunity to, to to come in if you wanted to, but to be fair, it's okay. Well, I, I so know nothing about him. I, like... I, I know nothing about his social or personal preferences or anything. I mean, you know what I mean. It's like in today's world. Um, Everything is as it is. As long as we're around different people, we're going to get things off different people. And that's one of the interesting things. Like his style itself um, is, I see it as being not only his, because he's able to make it his own in a way. But I look at him and I say, I, I looked at both of their styles and I analyzed them really quickly. And, I, and, and, and when I put them together in my mind, Rodriguez to me is like Antonio Barrera, and Edwards yeah. to me is like Prince Nassim. That says everything. If you were going to describe to someone who had fought before or who had seen boxing before and has seen those two guys fight and wonder what this fight is going to be like between Edwards and Nassim, I would tell them right away it's like Rodriguez Barrera, maybe not on a the same global scale, obviously. And but you mix that up a little bit, but I understand what you meant. But but the big difference is Edwards doesn't have anywhere near the power of Nassim Hamid. That is a you're right, stylistically, that is very similar to the way he boxes and he's kind of loose limbed in and out, you know, and showboating and, and the hands down and everything yeah. else and a rhythm yeah. fighting, you yeah. know, and, and the it reflexes. But he yeah. does not have that equalizer. Whereas Nassim Hamid not only had it but was increasingly started to rely on it. More and does, Rod- and Ro- does Rodriguez have that same chin as Barrera has? Um, I don't think we know at this stage, Michael. He has 18 fights, right? He has 18 pro fights undefeated. Um, Sonny has 20 pro fights. They, Sonny has had five world title fights. Um, the one he when he beat the South African Maruti Mathalane, or however you pronounce the surname, who was regarded by Ring Magazine as the number one flyweight in the world when Sonny beat him for the IBF title a, a, a couple wow. of years ago. Um, he has had four defences that have all gone the distance. Sonny is a distance fighter. He's not the guy who's looking. He, he doesn't have your ethos that, you know, you, you should always be looking for an early shower. He doesn't seem to believe that or recognises that that's not his his uh, best attributes. Um, yeah, Rodriguez I don't think, I don't think you should always be fights. looking for an early shower, but I think you should always be working towards one. 
I think this is yeah. I don't think it works on that principle. To be honest with you, I don't, I don't think that that's um. I could be wrong, but I don't think so. Um, so Rodriguez has also he's had a four world title fights. So the thing with Rodriguez, okay, he won the WBC Super Flyweight title first in uh, I believe it. it was only last year, but early last year he defended that a couple of times, and then most recently last time out he went down to flyweight, which is where this fight takes place, and he won the vacant WBO. Flyweight title last time out. He of his four world title fights, he's been the distance. How does anyone the- weigh that light and go down to fight <laughs> and go even lighter to win a title? It's crazy. Yeah, it, it is mean, crazy. You, must have, you must have crazy discipline in order to be like that light already. You don't, you know, there's not much on their bones. I've never seen a a, flat, a fat straw weight fighter. You know what I mean? So, so it's kind of like, oh my god, how do you get down? Like what? What do you do in order to get down to like 112 pounds or whatever, micro atom weight? I want to talk to you about weight later in the show um, and the way that fighters do it these days, the way they cut weight and the way they rehydrate and some of the weights they're turning up on fight night, Ed, you know. But before we get into that, yeah, I mean, Sonny, you know, was also a super flyweight when he first started. He dropped down to flyweight um, latterly in his career, you know, relatively short career up to now. But... See, but like you say, because uh, I think your stylistic comparison with Naz, like a like a punch free Nassim Hamid versus a Marco Antonio Barrera kind of type fighter, is a pretty good one. But um, some people are picking Rodriguez just because he is the more aggressive and heavier handed, and he clearly does have skills as, as well to go along with that. Mm-hmm. Some people fancy him because they think Edwards is boxing away from home against a guy like that. And he's going to have to be very dominant and on point to, to box him, go, to outbox him going backwards and get the decision in the other man's relative backyard. That's what they're saying. That's what is causing some people to lead towards Rodriguez. So well, I, think, I, that. I think it can certainly be done. I, I think it can be done. Absolutely. It has to be very clear and dominant, like with no questions asked. If it's one of those places where it's like, you know, a gimme thing uh, or it's it, when it's very, very close, obviously it's going to go to the home fighter. You would think it would. And I guess you would kind of hope it would in a way. That's what why, home, why would you hope that's what, home, that's, what, that's what hometown advantage is all about? It's like that's it. That's well, a that you're, you're, you're signing off on that. You were signing you know, off on I'm that. just saying that's a real part of sport. I'm not signing off. I'm but not saying it's, be, good, though, it? I'm not saying it's good or bad, but I'm saying that's the reality. I'm saying it's bad. No, but but come on, it's the reality, Ben. It's the reality. It's a reality, but you shouldn't be signing off on it, particularly not you're no, I'm not signing off on it, but I'm just saying you have to acknowledge it, it's real. Yeah, no, but no, you, you didn't acknowledge it. You you didn't say, let's be real. No, I can't do you would hope it would. I can't you do anything about it. it. Back up. Nobody's listening to me and saying Michael Sogolajide thinks that it shouldn't da 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 They don't care. It's, they don't care what anyone says, what anyone thinks. They'll do that for whatever the reasons are. I don't even know why they do that because he's the hometown guy and they want people to be happy leaving. I don't know because they're employing because if they win and he's the hometown guy and he's employed employing more people that could be it too he's not the hometown guy by the way he's, he's from san antonio texas but and the where's, fight and where's, and where's the fight? well he's more hometown than sunny edwards that's he is but i just wanted to clarify that for you it's like it's like he doesn't live in the, in glendale arizona so where, but, where, does, he, on, where so, does he live san antonio texas not pretty much the same thing he's both got a lot of sand and they have cowboys yeah, yeah, it's um, <laughs> it's it's out that kind of way west. Yeah, um, what's I going to say to you? No, but I, I honestly don't think we should sign off on that. That I drew the line when you said one would almost hope it works out that way. I hate that as much as I hate the 
you know, he didn't do enough to take the belt in the champion's backyard or he didn't do enough to take the champion's belt. You should, we should be purists and we should look at fights just organically in a test tube. We shouldn't be worried about those factors. We acknowledge them and we know they exist and we might, you might bet accordingly. But to say you would hope almost that he gets squeezed, no, no, no. I mean, I mean, uh, listen, if the other guy, if it's a clear and definitive win for another guy, yeah. And if it's close and contested and they give it to the other guy, yeah. And, but then if they give it to the hometown guy because, like, it's not like the hometown guy got a beating and then and then they gave it to him. I'm not saying that, obviously. What I'm saying is if it's a very tight fight and they give it to the guy, I'm not the biggest, I'm not the, you know what I mean? It's like, okay, I, I kind of see how. Do you know what they should do? Mark their cards with the 10-point must system at the end of every round based on what they saw, as if they were two aliens fighting on Mars. What do you mean, mark their card? Score it. Write score. it down the score at the end of the and then give it and then give it to somebody so they can't change it at the end or what? What are you saying? That's Silk, do you not know that's what they do? That's what they do. They give it to the ref every end of every round. The referee walks around and collects the cards. Uh even you mean currently today? Yeah. No, they don't. Stop it. That but used to happen. That used to happen a long time ago. In England, they used to do it a long time back in like 70s, maybe. All right, maybe the referee doesn't collect them, but you have to hand them in every round. You yeah, can't well, change they, it. You can't they, change it. They certainly oh. don't do that. They certainly don't do that now. No way. I will find you a judge. No, you it. will not find me a referee that does that. Not in America, anyway. They may do it. Never in mind Europe. the referee. I'm saying the judges have to hand the cards in. They might not hand it to the ref anymore, like they did in Britain. But they definitely uh, have to hand them in at every round. They don't. They don't. They can't change it after that. They, the cards have got to be handed in every round. I swear to you. Oh, oh, okay. Well, I, I'm not exactly sure about that either. But initially, you said to me they gave it to the ref, and the ref hands it in. I was like, no. Yeah, but well, that's what they they used to do. I mean, I can't. I don't. I don't know for sure they don't still do that. But you seem no, to think they, they don't do that anymore. No. So, absolutely. Given you, but you remember the referee would walk around and collect the cards. Oh yeah, around. I remember. I do remember. Yeah, way back early. Way. Yeah, but, but you can't change your card. You have to. You have to be consistent like that. You have to hand the cards in. Honestly, yeah. otherwise that would be a faulty system. <laughs> well, there are faulty systems are, are, are when you don't hire the right people for the job or people have the experience to tell what's a punch and what's not a punch. And uh, you know what I mean? Who's dominating? What's effective aggressiveness? All those kinds of things. You know what I mean? Like body shots that count just as much as a headshot, a jab that is a grazing jab. Isn't the same, you know, whether a guy's riding a punch or whether he's getting hit by it. It's it's just so I don't know. Uh, boxing's arcane, so arcane in a way, and and it nobody's really striving to fix it. You know what I mean? That's that's the biggest thing. No, yeah. they're not. Um, I would. I mean, that's the trouble. Is I think it's um, the scoring system thing is difficult. I mean, for years and years now, we have had the ten point must system in almost all jurisdictions across the world with professional boxing. They use it in the amateurs as well now. They did have other scoring systems over the time, as you probably know. They had a five-point must system. Well, don't they forget had... the ten-point must system is only when there's a tie. Then it's a nine-nine, right? So you can't be ten-point must unless they score a ten-ten. No, they don't. What are you talking about? The ten-point must system is what it's called. That, that you yeah, give but, ten but, points. And if the and if the round is a draw, nothing to do with that. The ten-point must just says you give ten points to the winner and nine or less to the loser. That is the, the, the rules of the and, and if both of them win the round, what do you give them? 
It's ten ten. Yes. See, you, sure? you shouldn't. <laughs> You shouldn't reveal unknowingness of such things. You notice I didn't use the other word. That I'm asking you if you're sure. I'm not asking uh, you. I, listen, I'm sure. Trust me on that. Trust me on that. I'm sure. <laughs> We've got you on here for the things which are irreplaceable that only you can know and only you can do and say. But for stuff that like for, for rudiments of boxing, I got you. I got you, baby. Um, <laughs> ten point must system. Yes, it's a ten ten. You only get a nine nine if someone's had a point deducted and they won the round. Um, and most people don't see most people sitting at home when they try to score cards, they don't understand that principle. To be honest, I didn't even know it myself until a few years ago that you could get a nine nine. I, well, that's I, I exactly figured it why out. I brought it up so we could elaborate on it so you could bring it back to the forefront of your mind and enlighten the people. So let's go on. Sure. Um, but so as I say, there's they've looked at various scoring systems over the years, as you know, that in the amateurs they brought in the computer system for, for a good few Olympiads for a good few years. Um, that was, you know, that was a reaction to the Roy Jones robbery in, in Korea, uh, in Seoul. Mm -hmm. they, yeah, they, they, yeah that, that's yeah. boxing. Boxing is always like, uh, is like uh, this kind of like reflexive, you know what I mean? All of a sudden, oh my God, there's a hole in the dam over here. Let me run and stick my finger in that. No, oh my God, over here. Bah. And it never gets ahead. It never gets ahead. It's always trying to play catch up. And, and uh, you know what I mean? And that's... One of the unfortunate things about boxing, I mean, the beauty of it, it's kind of, it's almost like when it originated still, you know what I mean? But, uh, you know, at the yeah, same still time. Kind of raw. Yeah, yeah. At the same time, it's, it does some things you wish it would catch up and be more modern and more current and, uh, and, and things would, would be adapted. Like, I can think about billion and one things that would make boxing safer, uh, more entertaining, faster, all those things. But you know what I mean? It's just like, it, it's because there isn't one organization like with football here or hockey or basketball, it's all under the NBA, the NFL, Major League Soccer, whatever it is. They have a, you know what I mean? And boxing doesn't have that. Boxing's like, it's like, uh, you know, the gold rush way back in the 18 or 19, early 1900s or 1800s. Um, they, everyone is their own sheriff and they've got their own plot of land and the law is different here than it is down the river over there. And yeah, yeah it's just, it's crazy. Imagine, imagine a, a really good, credible global governing body and a universal yeah. United States commission. Can you imagine mm -hmm. that? And all the other national commissions having to fall in line and play ball with this, with this benevolent ruling body that, that kind of had the interests of the sport. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. As a, as the core of its kind of value base, you know that would be, yeah. wouldn't that be something? You know, it would, be, um, it would be incredible. But you know, something's change is inevitable. Change and everything happens, so it'll it'll happen with boxing. Boxing is, I think, it's the only sport not not to not to continue to evolve at the rate every other sport does, but it does evolve. It's you know, it's slow. It's a dinosaur. But I didn't want to jump off your point about Edwards. And, um, and Edwards and and uh, and uh, Rodriguez, and I feel I look at I don't know with with Edwards when I think about his style that that I've seen it, it seems like he's that's how he fights as a front runner. He's really good as a, it looks like you know what I mean. He's beating everyone. He's all good. He's able to do what he wants to do when he wants to do it. But what can he do when it gets rough, when it's different, when someone who has a strong enough presence to change what he's used to doing? Yeah, comfort zone. 
Yeah. That's like, that's what that that's the, I think that's what this fight can show us because this kid, the, uh, this kid Rodriguez, you know Rodriguez Barrera, he looks like he's the goods. I mean, he comes to thump for real, and uh, he does. And if and he's you know, not if he's not feeling Edwards, if if the punches aren't affecting him, he's yeah. going to turn up the heat. It's going to be a problem. Like a Leonard Duran one scenario, maybe it was, might be his kind of. Um desire to take Edwards out of his comfort zone and take him into some the trenches situation. Yeah, yeah, but the thing is like Leonard allowed that to happen. I don't think I don't think that um that Duran made Leonard do that uh, unless it was he just aggravated him so much before the fight that that he then in turn got well, it, well, to well, that's the narrative in it. That's what they say. That's what they say happened. That's what Leonard says happened. I know some people you know who say no, Leonard kind of happened. He didn't have as much volition as he makes out, or as people make out. Some people think that Durant forced that on him more than they more than people are willing to admit. But you know the trouble with that, Michael, is you look at the second fight five months later, and yeah. I don't care what shape Durant was in; it's so different. It yeah. tends to take a lot of the water out of that argument, doesn't it? Yeah, he was not going to beat that Leonard, not that Leonard, no not way. a second time, as the Beatles sang. Yeah, well, in that that first the first fight, okay, I mean that's exactly Durant's fight. And Sugar Ray played right into his hands because everything he was throwing, he was throwing with one emotion. And two, he was throwing circular punches. And generally, circular punches, you don't catch Duran with those. Yeah, you said that. Yeah, he was but, looping. You know what I mean? But, but, um, but uh, the second fight, uh, uh, Leonard straightened up his right hand, doubled up on the jab. Every time Duran got set to punch, he stepped off. I mean, it was, it was absolute. Uh, that was. Yeah. Uh, and you know, I do believe Duran had been binging and partying and he crashed a load of weight in a crazy short time period. And I do believe Duran was a diminished force. But you know what? That That's the breaks. You know, you turned up and you fought. Hey, listen, no, no, you don't get off with that. It's like this. If you fight the fight, you went in there. As far as everyone's concerned, you're 100%. That's all there is to it. It's a shame, no... though, isn't it? It's a shame because it's a shame that the kind of luster of that victory for Leonard is somewhat diminished by the controversy and the fact that it's remembered as no mass. It's remembered as a slump in Duran's, you know, enigmatic career. Rather I think than it's, I think it's absolutely worse on Duran than it is on Leonard. That's for sure. <laughs> I mean, look, if you can, if any time you can go into a boxing ring as a fighter, as a professional fighter, and as a world-rated or world-champion professional fighter, if you can go in the ring and you make somebody quit, that's almost better than knocking them out. Like there's there's that primitive kind of like side where you hit somebody, you just want to like mess them up and bam, put them unconscious and put a 10 count on them. And that feels really good. You know what I mean? But yeah. when a person consciously quits and doesn't want to fight you anymore, that is even more satisfying in a lot of cases. I mean, yeah, it, it is, but Duran has certainly lived down that stigma. I think that that is beyond well documented that Duran it could have ruined his reputation or put a little, you know, could have besmirched his legacy, but it didn't ultimately, you know, because you get a few hardliners, by the way. I know Ronnie Essett, um, from a fighter, good guy. He won't have Duran as an all-time great. He says, no, he's a quitter and that's that. You know, I'm not having it. And, he, and some people say, you know what, Duran didn't just do it once. He did it with Pat Lauder as well. So he did it twice. Um, did he? I but, didn't see that fight. He quit on him? Like he stopped Yeah, fighting. with a, with, with a, with a, damaged arm in some way when he was old you know when he was just getting a few few dollars on the circuit kind of thing but, oh, wait so so the fight was stopped yeah duran duran retired yeah what Durant, round was it stopped in do you remember 
Um, something like fourth. Don't quote me. Somebody could probably really? find out. But wow. it was it was early. It was in, in the first six rounds, as I recall. It was it definitely. I don't believe no no way it's seven rounds that occurred. Um, yeah. And it, do you know what Pat Lawler? While we're on it, because uh, perhaps the charm of this show. What this is what I love. We're supposed to be previewing. Uh, Edwards Rodriguez and we kind of are but we go off on so many wonderful tangents and you know what and if you don't like that don't watch Sugar Silk and Stretch when he's here but listen the, what, the funny thing about Laura um, is that he actually it, back to back beat Wilfred Benitez the ghost of Wilfred Benitez the charred remains of Wilfred Benitez and Roberta Duran so those are the two most disingenuous back-to-back victories in the well, history got, of boxing yeah so he's got two um, incredibly beautiful scalps yeah but- but he certainly wouldn't want to say, you can say, I beat Benitez and Duran, but you certainly wouldn't want to show those people anyone to fight <laughs> that, that, uh-huh. you, that you beat him in. It's like, it's not like you're going to be proud showing people that fight. Or letting this, you know, what, this is why when Montel Griffin's doing this thing on Facebook, and I know he likes winding people up, and luckily he's focused most of his attention on basketball recently, which I don't understand, so I can't get annoyed by what he's he saying. He loves basketball, yeah, he loves basketball. But one thing I've noticed about Montel, for instance, he only understands the statistics. It's literally, if it's in black and white, he's the kind of guy who would say that he beat Benitez and Duran. Look it up, it's on box rec. You know, he probably <laughs> wouldn't argue something that silly, actually, but you know what I mean? Some yeah. people... They're all about the statistics, whereas, yeah, you know, we, we have yeah, to look at... Yeah, yeah, yes. And boxing is so much more than stats. Boxing is, like, stats cannot explain fighters. That's why when people talk, they get into the greatest fighters of all time and they go with records and they go with all the rest of this kind of stuff. I, I can't... I can't with that stuff. I'm just like, listen, uh, it's judged... Boxing and, and a person's ability and greatness and the ability to defeat another fighter, all of us, that kind of stuff. That's something you know from 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 watching. It's almost like I don't know what kind of comparison I can make it to. Um anyway, it'll come to me when the biggest when, disconnect uh, I saw on this ever, that one of the biggest disconnects, which it really perfectly represented to me the two sides of, of this particular argument and intellectual struggle was historian and author Steve Compton who wrote a really really long book about Harry Webb with about 600 pages in it and he's somebody who not he's an historian he, he deserves that title okay um and then there's you who who was a world-class fighter and not not just a world-class fighter because there's lots of them that you you are you are a very very um I don't want to use the word better than good but you know what I mean you're, you're a great analyst of boxing you you have a way of you have a way of your incisive thinking on breaking down what actually happens in the ring is, is quite extraordinary. So the, there's you on one side and Compton, the historian, on the other. Mm-hmm. And the thing was, he said he thought Penel Whitaker was rather overrated and he had his reasons why. And there was paragraphs of reasons why. And you on the other side were like, are you, are you fucking crazy? Yeah, you think Penel Whitaker, how can you think that? That's the disconnect. You've got the historian and the author and the man of letters. And you've got the boxer, you know, who, who really understands the game, yeah. who, who cannot relate to someone who's saying Penel Whitaker is overrated. Because you know what? Because ultimately, it's always about ability. Like, you, well, no, it's not. You keep saying that. The thing is, it's it not, is about still. ability. Absolutely, no, it isn't. Because you get what about? Well, why do you think? Why do you think somebody who's not as accomplished as? No, accomplished is different. Accomplishments are different to ability. You you just said it right there. It's ability is like talent. 
to a great extent. It's related to talent. You must have seen guys who were fucking geniuses, but they couldn't. They never. They never did anything. Ultimately, I've seen guys who could have. Who could have been another Sugar Ray Leonard in the gym, and and we've lost them to something else. That's so. It's not about ability. Well, it's a, being even. It's about ability. I mean, come on. Once you get to once you get to the dance, it's about ability. And and a lot of times, like there's the not only is there the physicality, obviously there's the mental part of it too. So once you once you've worked your way up to the once you worked your way up to that level of of like to be able to fight for the world title, it's a different type of hunter. It takes a different type of hunter to win the title. And then it takes a different type of hunter to defend the title. And then it takes an absolutely different type of hunter to continue to defend that title for a number, another 10, 15, 20 times. It's but a that, different piece altogether. So you can't say every single every single fighter is not weighed up the same way. There are there are so many intangibles. And there's so but, many but but there are guys who had less talent but, but who achieved more than certain guys, and they deserve to be ranked higher in any kind of pecking order. Evander Holyfield said, I always said that a good attitude will take you much further than talent, you know. Um, but, I mean, I, I agree with you to a great extent, and, and I don't think Benel Whitaker's um, underrated either. But I'll say it before, I'll say it again. There's a fighter called Colin Sweet C. McMillan, who was WBO featherweight champion briefly in the 90s, and he, he injured his arm in, a, in like a first defence, I believe, and, and then kind of went downhill after that. He was like a little Sugar Ray Leonard. He was like Sugar Ray Light. He looks way better to me than Carlos Monzon ever looked. But there's no way on earth. You would be taken off to the funny farm if you said Colin McMillan was a greater or better fighter than Carlos Monzon. So there, Carlos Monzon was effective, awkward, strong. Obviously had something that was better than he looked, you know, because he did dominate that division for, for all those years, for seven years. And, and he defended that mostly the undisputed middleweight title, although there was a bit of an argument at one point with the WBA, um, you know, for, for like 14 defences. But Monzen does not look that great. And if, if I showed you a clip of him, some grainy footage, and you never knew who he was, you'd say, well, he looks okay, but he's nothing special, probably. Yeah, because because in a lot of ways, um, the basics are what get it, you know what I mean? And especially if you're not going up against... You know what I mean? You're not gonna, you, like, I don't know, did Monzone have a super fight? Did he? Did Monzone ever had a fight where he was not the favorite to win the fight? I don't believe so as a, as a champion. Okay. I mean, so he, he may have been... that will explain a lot to you right there. Now, if you if you went up against somebody that was, let's say he was going up against Marvin Hagler and they gave Hagler, or you know what I mean? Or, I don't know. Uh, uh, Some people would make Monzen a favourite against Hagler anyway in that if they're playing that game. Certainly, yeah, I mean, when, yeah. he, he could have fought Hagler, right? That could have happened in the seventies. He would have been a favourite then. Yeah, it could have been. He could have been a favourite then, and then sure would have been a good fight. I'd love to do like an analysis on a fight like that, and just just run it through, you know, run it through the uh, mental computer to see how it would really look. I'd never given it as much thought as it should. But one thing, I, I mean, obviously Carlos Monzon is strong. He's determined. He's very accurate, and he he has what you would think to be a limited offense, right? Like he, to me, when I look at him as a fighter, I look at him and I say <coughs> he's limited, but his strengths are what he does well. He does great. But but so and, and, because, of, and because of that, like for instance, his timing, for instance, you know he's going to throw the straight left, the straight right, and then once in a while he's throwing in a hook or an uppercut. And he's yeah. not throwing in like six, seven, eight punch combinations. He's not putting them together like. Brah. He's not putting. He's not machine gun fire combination no. punches. I'll tell you something else. He's not doing. 
Because because regardless of what he did, right, he's one of the greatest Latino fighters in history. He's one of the greatest middleweights in history. Some people say numero uno. But talking about Jesse Rodriguez, right, I watched one of his fights, you know, just getting a feel for the the prediction and the breakdown of, of, of his fight with Sonny Edwards. And you see him do something, right? This is what Rodriguez uh, did when he knocked down Carlos Quadras last year in the third round. Once again, these are hard to demonstrate, as you know, because we're stuck on these screens. He throws a one-two from the southpaw stance, yeah? Mm. It looks like, really, he throws a, like, it's like a one-two from the southpaw stance, but to be honest with you, the jab lands and he's thrown full extension. The, the, the straight southpaw left, he kind of throws it almost as a feint, but he does... He does throw it, but like he's not intending for it to even land. Yeah. From that position, from going one two, he shifts and comes round here. Then he throws a, a a right uppercut from the orthodox stance and puts the guy over. Really slick, really clearly very drilled. Not not something that happened by accident, incidentally. Um, re really smart. Something he's obviously drilled. You know, probably a bit of instinctive talent there. I never saw Monzen do anything like that. But Monzen mm -hmm. is one of the greatest fighters of all time. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, he absolutely is great just based on... Results. Results, yeah. Like, he just... So, so there we go. I mean, like I say, I will always... I'm like you. I will always favour the guy who can really, really fight and, and the style that turns me on who shows me ability and versatility and, and, and ingenuity. You know, of course, you're Roy Jones, whatever. But all I'm saying is... Like, that's a great example right there, Roy Jones. You talk to the, the hardball historian crowd and they all all Mark Jones down, especially because he tore the arse out of his legacy. Talk to the fighters and your your kind of crew, yourself and and uh, John Scully, and they'll just be saying, "Listen, Roy is God, okay." And there's like there's only there's only possibly so low you can mark him down, even if he lost a hundred times after he yeah. got declined. Yeah, I mean, and again, that's you look at Roy's ability, not his judgment. <laughs> which which happened, you know what I mean? Not not his judgment as to how or like how good he felt or how how he how he was able to perform later in his career on the opposite on the on the dark side of his career. We're talking about the Roy's like take Roy at his best and put him against any fighter in the world, and that's that's a real fight. And you can't say that about everybody, it's, and especially through the middleweight level. Welterweight, junior middleweight, middleweight, super middleweight. That right there—that's the backbone of boxing, right there. You know, yeah. what I mean? and 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 on average, on average, every single fighter that is in that in those hit hard, in great shape, take a great shot, and are are fast. They and they go to the body and the head. So, like from from welterweight to super middleweight, they do everything. Like Big everything, skill set. Everybody so you're not going to find an heavyweight. Yes, everyone, at the, when you're at the upper echelon, everyone hits hard. Everyone can go 15 rounds throwing 100 or more punches around. Everybody could do all of that. And and you know what I mean? And there's no variance there. All of them are that great. So, you know, something has to make a difference at some point. And, and when you see, like, the nuances of an individual, you, you talk about their timing. You talk about their... Um, yeah, um, um, resilience, and, and you talk about you know um, their in intellect, their ability to think and ad lib, because that's what it's all about. Like we talk about fighters now, and they'll throw some punches and they'll pivot back and come with this, and they'll and, and they're doing things that it's almost like those things are not drilled. It's almost like they're not drilled. 
they're not drilled. And the reason why I say they're not drilled is because they're reflexes. They, they've learned to move you. You just automatically, like, you learn to move your body. And right away, you know you got to let your hands go. And you know where it's got to come from. But is, is it something that, that, okay, I want you to go here, go to the body, throw the left, pivot back, throw another left uppercut? No, it's not there's, like that. It's there's like, got to be an element of feeling it. But I guarantee you, if you saw what Quadra, what uh, Rodriguez did when he knocked Quadros over, it's definitely someone he's worked on that particular shift. Fighters are doing... Lomachenko majored in it. Um, Mike Tyson was really good at it back in the day. You don't, you don't get a lot of fighters who were... Orlando Canazales was a master at the shift. These days, with the advent of Instagram and all that social media demo training, it's getting really popular to do that thing now, Silk. You know, when, yeah, whether yeah. you throw a punch or you just dip and then you change your direction after, you, after you've dipped. You know what I mean, without me being able to demonstrate mm -hmm. on air. Mm -hmm. that, that is a big thing now, those angles. The, the fighters are doing that more now. You know, because they see, you know, let's say Mike Tyson did it really well, but Lomachenko was the more recent example of someone who was always giving you angles and always and always flipping the script on people, you know. Yeah, but, well, the intent is different. Like Mike Tyson's intent was to shift to an angle where he can get a clear punch at you, a better yeah. and more effective landing. Like, he, he would, when he shifted to the side, he'd see more punch surface. Yeah, because when you're in front of him like this, you're taking away a whole lot. But he shifts to the side and he takes that quick shift over. He has things open and he's not in line for you to hit him with anything either. Yeah. Uh, Lomachenko is something different. When Lomachenko would shift, he'd shift to frustrate you, and and he would frustrate fighters because they'd never seen that before. But guess what happens? Once people look at you and they see you and they know that's a part of your style and you continue to do that it becomes predictable. And that's why, you know, later later on, like when he fought that, when he fought Haney, was it Haney? Was it? He yeah, fight he fought him? Haney, but yeah, I Haney. He beat Haney. Yeah, and, and, um, and who did he, he fought him twice? Lopez, right? he lost to, he lost to Lopez. Yeah, and lo exactly, yeah. he lost to Lopez. And, you know, getting off to the, getting off to the side, that kind of stuff, it didn't work. He needed to become a different type of fighter. Once people get, understand what your thing is, once they understand what your fight style is and what you're going to do, you become way less. I mean, it's obvious. You become way less effective. And he became way less effective by, by um, no, I don't think it was an age thing. It wasn't time. It wasn't his conditioning. It wasn't any of that kind of stuff. It's just he didn't shift up. And people know how you fight. It's not going to be a problem. I, I, you know what? I, I, he, he didn't have his greatest night against Tio, but I think he's still one hell of a fighter. And I think he beat Devin Haney, who's getting heralded as a genius right now. So I, I wouldn't write any obituaries on Lomachenko based on that. The idea became way less effective. I, I don't believe so. I, I understand what you're saying. Once people know they know how to deal with you a little better, then, then they can deal with you a bit better. And and the and so you know some of that mystery and that kind of mystique yeah. has gone. But so with the Haney fight, I mean, I'm I'm kind of like I was I was fifty fifty on it. I could definitely see it going either way. But what he put the clamps on himself. Lomachenko had the chance to finish strong, and he did the De La Hoya kind of like just get across the finish line thing like he did with Trinidad. Wasn't a, it wasn't as bad as Oscar, though, right? It wasn't, well, as, it wasn't, it wasn't as bad, but come on. He lost the title, so it's just the same thing. I mean, well, know, no, he didn't have the title, I don't believe. Um, well, whatever. Then he lost the fight. In the title fight, yeah, yeah. whatever it is. He lost I, I the I've got to be clear on this stuff. You know what a mess it is out there. <laughs> <laughs> no. 
You're a nitpicker, that's what. I'm not a nitpicker. Honest to God, I'm not. I, I, you know what I'm trying to do? I'm ben, to you're absolutely a nitpicker. Can you add? Come on, you you must say you're a nitpicker. You can't say you're nah, not. You know what? I am trying to cling to some fucking thread of sanity in this desert of boxing. <laughs> that's what I'm trying to do. And you're one of my allies. We're, we're fighting the same enemy, but occasionally some of your fire fucking hits the thing and comes back at us. It's like, <laughs> we need to be really clear on certain things. I mean... You sometimes wonder why you bother. Like somebody said, you know, when, when so many fans defend the multiple titles and, the, and you know, the, the, the sheer disingenuousness of all the belts that are being awarded and, and the records that they're claiming historically, you know, that's why people like Nigel Collins want to throw stuff at the TV and why John yeah. Scully goes so mad, you know, and he's like, you are ruining boxing history. There yeah. is no way this is acceptable. We cannot yeah. sign off on this. I'm trying my hardest here, but yeah. I feel that, yeah. I just feel that we're losing the battle somehow. Well, there has to be some sort of kickback, but look at no matter what we do as human beings and in every single thing, change is inevitable. Just like we said later, it's always well, you may not accept it. It may and it may slow it down somewhat. It may not slow it down enough. It may speed it up the process, but change is inevitable. Nothing ever stays the same. That's the nature of the very planet we live on. And it's, it is. Yeah. You know what I mean? Know. Years from now, this planet is not going to be like it is now. No, exactly. And, you know, but people, traditionally, people, the older they get, the more alienated they are by the new culture. And they'd be like, what the hell's with this? Yeah, we never yeah. had this. In my day. Well, back in my day, Shani, yeah. you used to yeah. be in there. Exactly. Yeah. But, yeah, it's over. It's all, it's all well and good. So so I know we um, we jumped off the, the, the road for a second, but Sonny yeah. Edwards and, and uh, Rodriguez, who do you like in this fight? Okay, now bearing in mind we have a running scoreboard and it's been a while since we got to make a prediction for a few weeks. Uh, listen, Michael, I've known the kid a, a long time. I really do believe in him, Sonny Edwards. And I just, you know, when you get a fighter that you just don't bet against, if you thought, no, you're in your way, you might hear me sing a different tune. But in those weight divisions, he's, he's at flyweight currently. Um, I don't back against Sonny Edwards. I, I think Sonny, I, I do entertain the possibility he might get may, maybe a harshly dealt with on the scorecards you know i may end up feeling him one when he doesn't get the decision uh jesse rodriguez does look like a really good fighter but i'm, I'm going with sunny on points that's me and i think it's a good price there for 13 to 8 or 2 to 1. sunny on points i'm gonna go with rodriguez and uh mid-late stoppage mid-late stoppage all right this is what i want to clarify right if Rodriguez no, wins on points, are you go. still right? If Rodriguez, if Rodriguez wins on points, are you still right or are you wrong? Of course, I'm, I'm righter than you. That's all that matters. I only have I know, to be but right if you went to the betting shop, right. they wouldn't give you that. Well, I mean, we're not putting money up on it. I mean, if you have well, a no, tuppence, I'm just trying to if you have a, if you have a tuppence or two, you're willing to split with. Yeah, well, <laughs> listen, all I'm saying is if you put a bet on the fight, like Rodriguez by KO and, and it didn't come in that way, you'd, you'd lose the bet, even if he won on points. Yeah, but, if but, this were a money bet. Yeah, but we're okay with Is that the rules? We, so if, if Edwards was to win by stoppage, I'm still right. Yeah? If Edwards were to win by stoppage, of course. Yeah, you pick, pick Edwards to win, of course. Okay, so so we're going with the win. That's that's how our scoreboard works. That's fine. I'm, I'm cool with that. That, that. That's a trade-off. So just so you know, the scoreboard currently... Is I am on four and two. Things you look like a genius if you like I did when I called, uh, you know. Yeah, then I, you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the Nganu fight. When I called, I said he's going to lose by decision, but I said he will knock Tyson down. Yeah. 
I, I mean, I look like I look, you know what I mean? Yeah. But there's no, that's just bragging rights. There's no extra points for that. Okay, exactly. so, no extra just so, so you know, look, then ready? You look more like a genius than when you make calls like that. So, ready? The scoreboard currently sits at you are, f I am four and two. Um, Gary is three and two. I guess he must have missed one. You are four and one because I know you missed one of the predictions as well. So, that's the only reason you're ahead of me because you <laughs> definitely because you missed one of them. We're four and two and four and one right now. <laughs> you have you have one loss, I got two. Um, okay. and I think you know what, this kind of Sunday night, you may well be five, five and one because I know that he's got a serious fighter in front of him, but I'm sticking with Sonny. No hedging your bets, there's no, I'm not hedging my bets. No, I'm, you're, I'm saying, your bets. I, you're backing up, but you know what I mean? You don't even put your reverse lights on, man. I'm sticking with Sonny, I'll go with Sonny. But all I'm saying is I don't regard it as impossible, obviously, for, for it to go the other way. There's times when I'd say to you, never in a million years, sunny all day long, no problem. I'm not saying that to you, but I'm picking sunny. Okay. Well, you know, this leads me all the way to another question I have for you. And it's, it's something that we can explore and continue to explore and revisit as we go on. But I got a question for you. What do you believe the difference is between James Tony and Floyd Mayweather? Well, I think there's a, quite a lot of differences, but um, Tony... Where do you rate them in terms of greatness? Who's greater? Floyd. Floyd. Why is Floyd greater? Because he achieved more. Uh, even though you have to pick your way through those achievements and you have to analyse them because we live in a world of belts, 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 you know. Um, and, and he the beat more You just said you don't like. You're giving him the benefit of the no, doubt. No, because, because, because of his longevity, his consistency, Tony was hot and cold. Um, I definitely Floyd. Yeah, there's no way I ranked up. Undefeated doesn't mean everything, but Floyd at the end of the day, I don't believe he ever lost a fight in the ring. I don't think he lost the Castillo first fight. I don't believe he lost to De La Hoya. I am far from a Floyd X, but I do think he, he he achieved more than James Tony. He was more consistent throughout his career. And I think his I don't see Tony had better skills. Tony was a more a better offensive fighter, a more offensively minded fighter, a more fun guy to watch. Probably for for the most part, but I don't think he was a better fighter than Floyd. And he Who do you think fought greater talent? Second, who fought greater talent, James Tony or Floyd Mayweather? You well, let's think about that one. Let's think about that one dispassionately. So, for, let's go with the top. You want to talk most, most talented opponents, right? That's what you yeah. want to talk about talent. That's mm -hmm. what you the realm you wish to be in. Okay, so most talented opponents for James Tony. Would be Roy Jones, who he lost to mass by by a mile. By the way, never never at the races, lost every round, as I recall. Um, okay, so there, there's one for him. Who else? Um, Vasily, uh, Mike McCallum. Those are wonderful fights. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, so Roy Jones and Mike McCallum, two major names. Vasily Jarov. Um, mm -hmm. John Ruiz, Michael Nunn. I mean, he beat. That's a major victory. That that is one hell of a win. That is one yeah. hell of a win. So okay, let's go. Nunn, um, McCallum, and Jones. Yeah. Anybody else you want to add? No. Barkley. Do you know anything about well, that guy? I mean, yeah, you can, put, you can put Barkley in there too. I mean, that was legit. There's nothing. Yeah. In, okay, nothing. and it was a great performance. He looked. He looked very good. There. I mean, about by that time, James really looked like a some fine fighting machine at that point. So Floyd, all right, most most talented opponents, yeah, you or your leading opponents, that would be De La Hoya, right? Okay, De La Hoya. Pacquiao. 
Pacquiao. Koto. Koto. Okay. I mean, see, Koto is a Hall of Famer. See, the thing is, you know what, Silk? I don't necessarily... I would be okay if people like Kojo didn't make it, but but some people that sound crazy. But but yeah. you know, um, okay. So Koto, um, De La Hoya, and Pacquiao. Who else you want to put in there? Um, Amir Corrales. No, no. I, I, I finger finger put away. Okay. Um, mm. I mean, Corrales uh, had incredible heart. Judah, Judah. Okay, Zab Judah was. A, I knew you yeah. put him in there because he's your boy from New York. No, not because he's my boy. <laughs> that kid was talented. I know he was. He, he was. He was special. He was special too. Yeah. But Koto beat him, right? And you know, uh, Koto Judah. beat him. He lost. Yeah, he, he lost a couple, but you know what I mean. But he was. <clears throat> so I think it comes down to three here, Michael. Really, you've got you've got McCallum, um, Nunn, and Jones, or you've got Pacquiao, De La Hoya, and Judah. Is that yeah. what we're at? Let's do the math on that. Yeah. So his no, three, totally, his three best his three best wins, right? Yeah. Arguably, yeah. What, what uh, no. What what are what are um Floyd's three best wins? Well, I really like the Corrales fight. I I think he looked really good in that fight, you know, and he and he wasn't I believe he wasn't a favorite going into that fight for some for some reason, you know. Um so I think Corrales is one of them. Um, I think the um, Canelo, Canelo is. I, I, I rate that win. I don't care what people say about. It. Some people tried to say, oh, he, you know, he fought a green Canelo. He was underdeveloped. He did drag him down to one five two. I'll I'll give him that. He did. He did put his catchway catchway leverage on him. But don't, don't you think the Canelo thing was a major win for a thirty seven year old Floyd? Yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah, it was a good win, but stood him on his head. These are some of the things you're talking about, like catch weights and and um, and re-energizing clauses and <laughs> rehydrating clauses and and all these silly little things that take take away from fighters don't understand that this is taken away from your legacy. This is taken away. What from about you. drug tests? Failed drug tests like with Tony? Does that take away from your legacy? Well, I, I believe it. I, hasn't it gone both ways? How do you mean? Why is it when it comes to drug tests? I know I know about Tony, and I don't know about Mayweather either. But I've, he but fought, I, Tony definitely felt he he had his heavyweight championship win changed to a no contest on that account. Okay, and what and Mayweather never did no, that. Either? But Thomas Hauser record. Thomas Hauser is very outspoken about the fact he he contends. I believe he contends that Floyd Mayweather failed three tests and they were hushed up. But mm. but Tony definitely did. Tony definitely did. You know, and so did Roy. Roy, Roy failed a test too. You know, and mm -hmm. I remember it was on the cover of Boxing News 2002. It said he took drugs. You know, and it was an outrage at the time. But so these are factors. So, so let me answer then. Let me let me continue then. Who would you rather? Whose career would you rather have had? Oh no no no! Not whose career because obviously being undefeated, everybody wants that. But. Who's I guess um, the word is like who's fighting philosophy, who's fighting ability. Who would you? Like, when I listen to James talk, or when I listen to Floyd talk, and I've been in front of them both in conversation, I know which one of them I'd rather be. In that sense, because <laughs> this is don't you think that's the odd thing with I mean, James Tony seems like a, a cool guy, but he yeah. um, 
he doesn't talk well. He talks like he he, he clearly betrays the signs of damage, neurological damage from from the punches he's taken. And that's it, funny, isn't it, when you talk, talk about I, defensive I, I genius. Don't know, I don't know about that for real, though, because because he's he's his clarity and thought is there. Yeah. His, the way he when he replies, he replies immediately, and he, and he's intelligent enough to catch it. He's not like there are fighters that are like you know what I mean that are kind of like impaired in that way, um, but he isn't one of them. If anything, it seems like he's kind of like I wouldn't, I wouldn't even say tired or like his tongue is heavy, as a, but. But he, he, I don't know if he ever spoke clearly. It's almost like it's it's a weight thing. It isn't a, it isn't his it isn't because he's had his brain bounced around. It's not because he's been knocked out because he hasn't. It's not his like speech has deteriorated though, like Meldrick Taylor. It's it's kind of like that. I, I don't know about that, Meldrick. He, did, he didn't sound like that when he was younger. If you look at the interview, no, he didn't. That's what I'm saying. I think it's like an age. I, I think it's like it's slowed down because of like. Like his weight has almost slowed his tongue down. His weight is okay. This is Michael Michael Elijah, also a neurologist, speaking to you now. Um, his weight has slowed <laughs> his tongue down. This is uh, I hear what you're saying that that we shouldn't. And, be and of course, the tongue is a, like it gets the signals from the brain. I understand that, but he thinks clearly. His motor skills are just as good as I wouldn't say ever because he was an elite boxer. He's one of the greatest, but. But he had. I don't think I think James is as great as some of you do. I, I do think he's great. Don't get me wrong. I, I think he, yeah, but I don't. He's not an elite great. You almost it's almost like you want to put him in the kind of Leonard Duran Ali kind of, uh, you know, Willie Pet Penty. And I, I definitely no way. You know what? The, the ability man, again. <laughs> the man fluctuated his weight so much and would fight anybody at the drop of the dime anywhere. This guy's like he's a special. I'm this guy's like a throwback. Like he does not care. He'll fight Godzilla, <laughs> and he, you know what? He'll make Godzilla miss and counter him too. <laughs> I think I got I got the greatest respect for him. I really like him. You know, he's, he's he's a great fighter. But I don't. There, there are greater fighters than James, absolutely. And sometimes, I sometimes like I think some of you talk about him in those most highest terms possible. If, if and I'm not no, with that. The reason why I can is because there's only one thing he missed in his life that would have guaranteed him. Like to be in the top three, even five, and that was somebody to like inspire him. Like, like you can tell James is opinionated. He's a hard head. He only like he does what he knows to do, and he doesn't stray too far from that. And that's great because what he does is amazing. But um, like, I, I'm not sure how open he is to certain people, to other people telling them stuff. Like when he was when he was younger and coming up and he was absorbing all that knowledge from the trainers from all the knowledge he worked from, he yeah. worked with, and he got all of that. But then after that, at some point, I don't know. It's not like he put the cap on his ability to learn, but he had all that he needed in order to beat everyone he got in the ring with. And then, but you some know, point, uh, sometimes you'll see a guy like George Benton, right, who looked like he was a genius too, uh, in mm -hmm. the ring as as a yeah. fighter. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, you have to evaluate what actually happened because that's what I mean about ability, right? That's a perfect example. George Benton looks, certainly looks a better fighter than Carlos Monzon or you could name other fighters who achieved a whole lot of things, you know. Um, but 
they, they had that ability and they had those amazing gifts. And not just that, they could execute it and you can learn so much from watching them, but you still got to put them in some kind of perspective. And when you talk about Tony and you, you talk about the possibility of top three or top five, I don't know if you realise the enormity of what you've just said when you say that and who's in consideration for that. You know, no, if I you really I open up the picture. No, I didn't say that I put him in the top five. No, I know. You, that's why I said possibility of. I understand that. Yeah, but, I mean, it's not a possibility of. I wouldn't put him in there. But what I'm saying is, like, his potential was there. And yeah. um, and, and he had, like, you know, he, he had this incredible, incredible ability and, and, um, and, um, and fight intellect and instinct. And... I, I don't get like when I look at Floyd's career and I look at Tony's career and from the pride of a fighter, I would be like, okay, I know he's undefeated and I know he's got a billion dollars. You know what I mean? But I look at this career right here. I look at this man and he's so like decorated without controversy. You know what I mean? Well, middle except for champ. the except for the drug super test. Middleweight, super middleweight champ. Light heavyweight champ, what is he, cruiserweight champ, and heavyweight champ, and uh, I'm sorry, and, and fought heavyweight, and 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 no catches and no nothing on that. I'm like, this man is the real deal. Now, and I see someone else, and I'm like, okay, he's extremely talented, but he micromanages everything, and he uses the fact that he is, um, He's the you know the A side B side thing. So yeah. he's saying, okay, you're coming to my town. You're fighting the time I'm saying. You're staying in the hotel I tell you. You're eating the food that I tell you. My referee. And this, the, and this is the time of the fight. This is the time you're fighting. And this is the kind of thing they always try to protect fighters against. Is when you have a promoter who's a fighter. Like if you're pro, if you're a fighter and you are the promoter of that fight. I don't know. It just everything just reeks. It's like it's impossible. Yeah, it's another thing that needs reform. But you know what? I do. I have to go with Mayweather in answer to the question you asked me. But I have so much sympathy for what you're saying about about Tony being a fighter's fighter, and maybe even just as gifted, perhaps, but even more so, just not as hard working as Floyd. And yeah. and I can see in terms of the integrity of saying I was a man and I didn't care. I just said anytime, any place, anywhere. Anybody can get it. That was much more for James than it whatever was Floyd. Absolutely. I mean, that's that's massive. I mean, I'll tell you, look, Floyd was in incredible condition. Every time he came into that ring, and you have to give that to him, he came in impeccable. Impeccable. And that's a part of greatness, right? Well, well yeah, it's, well, a, it's uh, a part of it. It's a part of it. But then there's the other side of his thing, too, which is kind of like it's the ugly side of it. The beautiful side was that he could, like, one, yes, he had the physical talents. You cannot deny them. But he didn't allow his physical talents to get tested. That is the mark. Like, Roy, got, I mean, James got in the ring with the Roy Joneses when Roy was, the was like, slaughtering people. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, he's hitting him one side, running around, and hitting him on the other side like this. Roy couldn't do that with James Tony, and, and Roy could do that with anybody. He wasn't doing that with JT, and there's a reason for that because you know what I mean, and 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 also like Roy has like a, a like a an ultra intelligence about him, like he's very his his intellect, his fistic 
intellect is like off the charts as well. James is also, but you put that kind of speed with with Roy's intellect, and then we're talking, you know, a different beast altogether. I, yeah. I um, I, with with Floyd, it wasn't quite the same only because, yeah, it's like you you controlled it. It's not like you're out in the like 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 a living organism out in the wild, and you adapted to it. All of us, He's like, never done what right you were in the ever. testing tube. You did your thing in the testing in a test tube, and and you created it like scientifically, and you made sure all the like the the elements that surrounded yeah. you were controlled by you as well. He wouldn't have done. He wouldn't have done what Ray Leonard did. Never in a million years coming out after retirement, you know, for three and a half years and fighting Marvin Hagler for yeah. all the marbles at one sixty. Yeah. You know, people say that Ray drove his bargain and, and had certain conditions, but you know, like the size of a ring, twelve rounds, whatever. But but Floyd Mayweather, see, that wasn't what made him tick. It, it wasn't in his nature to seek a challenge like that. Do, you know that someone like Sugar Ray, the fact that it scared him so much and might keep him awake at night—that's what he lived for, I believe. Whereas mm-hmm. someone like Floyd, he's just completely wired in a completely different way psychologically. Um, in closing, there's someone I'd like to talk to you about before we wrap up. We've been on for an hour already. Devin Haney, it, 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 according to the California Commission, uh, yes, they fought in San Francisco, right? According to the California Commission, Devin Haney weighed 165 pounds on the night of that light welterweight uh, contest. So he weighed in at 140, okay. And he and he was 165, they said, on the night. I don't know if he was stripped of ultra shorts or, or in light tracksuit, whatever. But they said he weighed 165 silk, which some yeah. people say, that the Montel Griffins of this world say, Fair enough. There's no rehydration clause. Good on him. It's not yeah. his fault he can make 140. But, exactly. But what, what what do you... Th- I mean, are you okay with this, this the idea that these same... Sorry, before, previous day... The, idea, the, the idea I'm okay with that I really want to see, I want to see Devin Haney's dad fight Teofimo Lopez's dad. <laughs> that's that's yeah. what I want to see. Can we do that? Because that... that, that that's one of the most interesting fights. I would I would love to see that because those guys go at other they go at their son's opponents like they're really gonna do it. It's crazy. <clears throat> but getting back to the white thing, um okay, okay. Ray Mancini said, you know, absolutely it should it, they should go back to the old system. Um he said if weigh, I could make in on the day of the fight. I've always been a a, a proponent of that. Weigh in what? on the day of the fight. That's it. So you don't believe you don't believe guys should be catching twenty five pounds in twenty four hours, and you don't believe. Well, that I, I don't believe. Yeah, listen, they, he may he may weigh in. No in one's the denying morning. he's okay. He may, and he's he may weigh in in the morning, and then that afternoon gain twenty five pounds, and I'm okay with that as well. But the weigh in should be the morning of the fight. No ifs ands or buts. I mean, it's ridiculous. See, you got a day yeah. before, so you can rehydrate. Why? Well, because if he doesn't rehydrate, he could get hit. Which of course that's what he's going to do because it's the nature, that's the intent of the sport, and he can get hurt. And if we have to give him a chance to get his water back, don't get your water back. You know what? Fight a division up. Fight your natural yes. division. That's so now I'm getting some sense from you. You do. You don't believe that light welterweight should enter the ring as super middleweights. You you don't, you think that's silly, right? No, I mean, look, I'm not. I'm saying he could be a light. He could be a junior welterweight. And still, and weighing in the morning, and still come in twenty pounds later when it, you know at eight o'clock or nine o'clock when he gets to the venue. I don't care as long as that morning he weighs the weight one hundred and forty pounds that he's yeah. supposed to weigh. That's it. 
nothing else matters. He may come in at 140. I mean, he may be scheduled for 140 and come in later at 135. I don't care. He made the weight. But it has to be the day of. The, if you're not doing it the day of, then you're opening yourself up to so much. Like it's just unfair. But obviously, for decades they haven't done it the day of, and, and they're not going to, are they? They're, they're gonna. It looks like it's gonna stay the way it is. But but you would like to see it return in an ideal world. Um, you see, here's the thing: like Devin Haney's style isn't the kind of style. Like he's not using his body weight. I guess I guess it's giving him the weight is giving him more power in a way because that's what power is. Weight plus speed equals power. Um, wow. So, so his, his punches are obviously hurting guys, but but um, I don't know. It's not like his, his punch output. But, but regardless of Devin Haney, never mind him. I mean, he's not the only one doing it. Nonito Denier used to weigh in at one eighteen and coming at one forty. You know, it's we're talking about the principle here. That for years ago, years ago, decades ago, they changed it because they because of the dangers of re. Of, of dehydration you know um and most fighters do do agree that they, they should be the way it is you know they said it's more dangerous weighing in on the same day but i think it's only dangerous if you're boxing in a natural division right so let me ask you something so if haney comes in 25 pounds heavier yeah doesn't that mean that he's already done damage to his body to get down to 140 well yeah, I mean, maybe. I mean, I'm not an expert on these physiological so things. Then, but... So then, why would you? So then, why would you say you're not allowed to gain ten pounds from from the weigh-in to the fight? You cannot gain more than ten pounds. Or 15. the IBF do that. So the IBF have that rule. The IBF have the rehydration ten pound max rule. I believe they certainly used to have um, until very recently. So that's what they say. They say weigh-in on the day before. But we don't want you any more than ten pounds over the uh, of the championship weight the next day when we weigh you tomorrow. So then, isn't it just easier to do it the weighing of the, the? You know, they tried to say that they do it because it gives them promotion. It gives them an extra day promotion, but that's BS. You can do a you can do a million and one other things. You don't have to do. To be honest with you, I don't think it's BS. I, having been on the media circuit and attended these things quite a lot, I think that is a legitimate thing now with all these channels making all the money from content, which we could be doing too. By the way, as I keep keep saying and we will um that is a major thing now that when you look at when you get the press package michael for the fight week you'll get the press comments on a wednesday you might get an open workout as well so you, you get open workout on a wednesday you'll get yeah. the final okay, press comments on the work so so why wouldn't you listen no listen a second you'll get the open workout on a wednesday you'll get the final press on a thursday you'll get the weigh-in on the friday and that's a big big deal now and then fight night is the saturday that is the way they do it now and I reckon there's a lot of traction and a lot of people making money at that weigh-in day, the Friday. Okay, so I don't know if it's that significant, but but even then, you can still do something else. Why don't you do like a, a talk-off between them? Everyone likes to talk and they're all talking all sorts of smack. Why, why is the, the weigh-ins not more entertaining than, than conversation between the two? Sit them at a table across from each other. Or sit them in the they ring. do that anyway, but they do that earlier. They do that weeks ahead. That's called the the, the, the gloves are off or the face final face off. They all they do all that. Okay, well, the, I mean, there's many other things that they can do besides, you know, they're a little bit more creative than a weigh in the day before. Make the way in the your the integrity of the sport is being hurt when you start shifting up things like that. You're giving guys opportunities. I'm with you. I'm just saying that. That, that media culture is pretty entrenched now. That's another barrier in front of it. But do you know what else they do? You know what else they do now? Mm -hmm. They have the actual weigh-in the day before. 
really early doors lately, the fashion has been. Have it first thing in the morning, then just have a ceremonial one later. It's still the day before, by the way. Yeah. But they just let they let them weigh in at the crack of dawn, like 8 a.m. Then they yeah. do a ceremonial weigh-in later at lunchtime. So, so, so it's almost like you have two days to make the weight. Like it's, Thank you. It's, you know exactly. what I mean? That's it's where we are now. ridiculous. So you start off when you give them <coughs> inch, they want a foot. You know what I mean? It's always Spencer Crawford did that. They had a they had a real way in in the morning. Yeah. There was just no, no media, just commission only. Then they had the, this big pointless ceremony for the press later on, yeah. and then then they had another thirty six hours to rehydrate to become cruiserweights <laughs> or whatever. You know? Yeah, yeah. It doesn't it doesn't make any sense to me. The further we the further we continue to allow ourselves to get away from, yeah. Like I, I believe in advancements and, and and evolution, you know what I mean? Of something, but some things are just they're they're man made, they're forced, they're they're false. Well, we are surrounded by that in boxing, and and you know, like I say, the whole the whole concept of a world champion is a human construct, never more so than today uh, in this era. Um, and that's what I have a problem with, to be honest with you. But I'm I'm in here trying still pitching, trying to, you know, I'm not. I'm not completely wide-eyed and innocent about the business, obviously, and I realise that it's an entertainment industry, and at the end of the day, you want to come out of it with your health and faculties intact, with some money, hopefully some life-changing money, if you deserve it, and if yeah. you were if you were at a good level. We know that most fighters don't, but I just think we really have lost the plot now with what you refer to as the Wild West-type culture, and there's no vision. I, I, I don't accept that there are not professional sports in this world, even though I, I'm not an expert in other professional sports, but I don't accept that these highly lucrative other professional sports don't run with more consistency and integrity than our than our kind of red light district of sports does, you know? Um, you, you say that again, you don't believe it. I got the red light district. My ears perked when you said red light. I was like, oh. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I don't believe that other sports that are hi highly lucrative, like like you know, soccer, American football, even um, tennis, golf, yeah. rugby. I don't believe that they are not run more consistently and with more integrity, with more integrity. Even though money is the bottom line, I don't think they have the kind of craziness and inconsistency, and and, and outrageous nonsense that we that we regard as standard in our red light district. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're much more uh, like again, but yeah, like you said, boxing is red light district. You know what I mean? And uh, and um, other sports like you take tennis or soccer, and of course they have their everyone has their levels of corruption because humans are involved. And <coughs> humans are, whatever there's humans, there's going to be corruption. But 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 at least they do have like a series of laws, rules. I don't know that that are kind of aren't so like frivolous or up and down or and you wouldn't just get some complete dickhead gate crashing it with a tennis racket who've been playing for like a month, would you? Just because he got a huge <laughs> Instagram following, you yeah. would that wouldn't yeah. suddenly happen, and the, and the tennis yeah. people wouldn't be taking it seriously, would they? Yeah. Now and you would and you wouldn't see a badminton player come over and challenge, uh, you know, the, 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 the guy who won the champion. U.S. Open or Wimbledon but, champ. You won't see that either, and you. And if you saw it, the guy would get murdered, and that's, yeah, yeah. Yeah. and that's what our and that's what our heavyweight champion. He didn't defend our sport very well recently. He didn't. Um, well, that's one thing. At least Floyd Mayweather got rid of that guy, the MMA fighter, when he fought him. You know. Oh my God! Come on, Ben. Here, here we go. Now, this my problem. My problem with this is not with Floyd. My problem with that was the who was the referee of that fight. 
can't remember. Was it the usual guy that the referee yeah, saw yeah, twice? Was yeah. it? It was, I forget who it was. Kenny Bayless? Known. Kenny Bayless usually refereed twice. Yeah, it could have been Kenny Bayless. But, so that's where I have my issue. Conor McGregor talked all that yin-yang for so yeah, long. Yeah, we spoke about this. You said he should have got finished. He should have got flattened and ironed out. Oh, thank you. Yeah. yeah, we spoke about that when we were on the Fury and Gano thing. You were saying of all the things that should have happened to do the whole thing justice. So you just, you know, what you just, what you just did, you, you just opened Triggered the window, threw a bucket of water on the person standing on the bottom, because it may be someone listening to it who didn't hear what I said, but you just, just killed the story just like that because you had heard it before. Okay. Nobody else all right. So go, go on, go to expand. Michael wants to expand again. Well, I can't on expand thing. on it now. You just like, you just killed my, you know, my vibe. When right. you're telling a story, there's a vibe that comes with it. You know what I mean? There's a vibe. I, I, I know exactly. Trust me, I know exactly what you mean. I know exactly what you mean. <laughs> story killer. But, but anyway, we're over time anyway. We're way over. We are okay. So you're saying you're saying Rodriguez to the win for the win, and you you fancy it by stoppage. I'm saying Edwards for the win, and I fancy it over the long route. We shall see. Let's chime in again on Sunday. And, hey, um, we'll see what happens to that skinny, like, middleweight that we used to have on here as well, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Let's see what's up with Stretch. Absolutely. All the best, In the meantime, guys, be lucky. Keep punching. Keep supporting us. We appreciate it. Hit the subscribe button if you haven't done already. We need more subscribers. That's how these things are done. A takeover bit doesn't happen without your support. The takeover? Well, you know, I figured we could be out there doing a – Doing good things, you know. Uh, the channel's monetized yeah. now. Content that, is money. But that, one, that, but that term is taken. We have to come with a new term. You're right. We need to be original at all costs. Next yeah. time, guys. Sports Social Podcast Network.